Benson is TMJ4 anchor and chief political reporter. Charles, thank you so much for being with us. Great to be here with you, John, but I was hoping something else would be going on right now. Yeah, me too. I was hoping we'd be chatting with you from the ballpark, but it wasn't meant to be, Charles. <laughs> nope, it wasn't. So let's talk about the ballpark. Funding uh, meeting going on today. All day long, this thing has been going. Rick Schlesinger, Tim Sheehy, uh, the author of the bill, all speaking today. Were there a couple headlines that came out of today? Well, I think you're seeing, you know, the pushback from people who are once again concerned about by what taxpayers are being asked to do. And then the the idea here of why taxpayers are being asked to pay for these re, uh, repairs and improvements going down the road because the landlord here is uh, the taxpayer. So uh, I think we're having what I would say, you know, I've seen this movie before because we've had this conversation around funding for a ballpark and some of the same arguments about concerns about who should be paying it for it and whether or not how much should fall on the taxpayer. What will be interesting to me is to see not only a public response, but what happens when this starts getting in to the Assembly and the Senate. Are both houses on the same page with this particular uh, product that's in front of them now, the proposal? Keep in mind, the governor put out an earlier proposal that had far fewer dollars involved. And so I'm wondering, as we move down the road here, what the final product will look like. Keep in mind, Republicans are in control in the assembly and in the Senate, but the governor has also been a player here, as well as Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson and Milwaukee County Executive David Crawley here. And both of them, I think, are looking at how much really will they have to be responsible. Right now, they're looking at about $7.5 million a year from the city and the county. Yeah, Charles, do you think there will have to be a little more balance where the brewers maybe have to kick in a little more, the taxpayer burden is a little less, right? Is, is there a shuffling? The, the money's going to be the same. But does it need to be a little more balanced to get done? So I think people, uh, taxpayers, will probably want to try to find more balance here. I mean, the brewers are kicking in $100 million uh, for this project or the, this uh, proposal. It's a $700 million, so $600 million will be on the taxpayers. You know, when you look at the first go around, it wasn't just Milwaukee and Milwaukee County that had to pay for this. So uh, I haven't heard much about moving it beyond the county, but does that happen uh, in, in terms of contributions? Uh, the city and the county do benefit the most in terms of tax revenue from the ballpark being where it is. And then this uh, this other conversation around, I think we saw some of it from Rick Schlesinger with the Brewers again today. You know, what does that facility look like in 10, 20, 30 years? Uh, is it just a ballpark with a big parking lot around it? Or do they change it to start looking uh, at other options that bring in more revenue that can help with this situation. The brewers for now have been saying that's not what they see. That's not what that's their vision, at least when it comes to using a parking space to help pay for these uh, renovations. Was that reiterated today, Charles? We've been having this conversation here on our show, including with Rick, who is very reluctant to give up any parking. And I know that's important to people to develop that area like the Deer District or like Titletown District. Was there any discussion about that today? So I thought I saw some reporting on this uh, that, you know, that the brewers were talking about that they don't see uh, anything in moving in that 
direction. Uh, but that's the conversation I wonder, what does that look like, even if they find a solution to the funding around where the dollars are right now? But, you know, that is the question kind of going forward. I think, uh, as I'm reading here through the AP story, Schlesinger rejected suggestions to develop restaurants and bars in the stadium parking lots in an attempt to generate more tax revenue. But, uh, you know, I'm just sort of surprised, given um, how that has developed in other cities and other venues, uh, what that looks like potentially in the future. Yeah, I'm surprised by that, too. Hey, Charles, I wanted to switch gears. I know you're a political right. junkie, and you've been following what's going on with Speaker McCarthy's ouster. Now it appears there's two candidates to replace him. What is the latest from Washington in the search for a new speaker, and how does this play out? Well, how it plays out is going to be fascinating. You know, uh, history in uh, Washington is always fascinating to me, and McCarthy becomes the first to actually lose his speakership. Um, but what I'm going to be watching for are two key players here in the state, uh, Gallagher and Style. They had leadership roles under McCarthy. So where did they line up? Jim Jordan is one person who has put his name in the hat, and Steve Scalise. They're both, uh, you know, solid, loyal Republicans um, who now will find themselves, you know, battling for this position. But it's like, you know, be careful for what you want, because what changes uh, with the Matt Gates of the world? You know, how does the party uh, recover from this? How do they look going forward into an election year? And so... I've seen this played out before where someone may look obvious and then all of a sudden there is this dark horse that appears to win over uh, what is a divided party right now on how the party should go forward. You know, Charles, you mentioned that it, you know, it's, it's there for the taking, right? But how appealing is it given what just happened? <laughs> Right. I mean, you just look at Paul Ryan, right? I mean, he, he was the guy that ended up with the job who never aspired for the job. It comes with enormous headaches trying to balance the party and the wishes of all the members. And so uh, while it does come with the ability to say, you know, you've got the name of the speaker behind you, it comes with enormous responsibility. And right now within the party, the fraction of where does the party need to go? How do you manage that? How do you manage, you know, the Matt Gates? who are thinking, you know, this party is, is falling apart or not moving in the direction that a handful, a handful of Republicans want the party to go in right now. So there's a lot to balance there. And you're right. I always think at the end of the day, who really wants this job? Well, you made the perfect comparison. I mean, Paul Ryan, one of the smartest guys in America on both sides of the aisle, they agree. He got to be speaker reluctantly. And, and and didn't want it, couldn't take it anymore. It drove him out of politics, not just out of the Speaker's office. And that's what's been fascinating. You know, when you look at a guy like Paul Ryan, who among Republicans, among conservatives, it was a guy believed as, you know, this principal conservative, pragmatic guy, was a VP candidate. But also the other factor we haven't talked about is Donald Trump. And if Trump is the nominee and if he does, uh, you know, win the presidency and, and Republicans remain in power, you know, are they looking for someone who is more like Donald Trump or are they going to look for someone who maybe can stand up to Trump on, on certain issues and work with Trump if that is the scenario after 2024? TMJ4 Chief Political Reporter Charles Benson. Always good perspective. Thank you so much, Charles. Thank you.